0: So today we have with us Chris Hewitt, who is the founder of 8.9, an online coffee company. Named after the fact that, in his opinion, the perfect amount of grams per cup of coffee is 8.9. Established in 2011, 8.9 is a UK-based artisanal coffee company which sells direct online to consumers who want to create a tailored and fresh blend of fair trade coffee from anywhere in the world. An online brand with a simple user interface, 8.9 allows you to simply pick your flavor profile from fresh, sweet, or spicy, then your preferred mouthfeel from light, mellow, or rich, and then they do all the hard work by blending and then grinding the right beans. It even gives you a chance to name your blend, and all of this is delivered fresh through your letterbox in a neatly designed package the very next day. I suppose in a homogenized world, 8.9 champions the continual shift towards extra personalization by catering for individual tastes, as well as harnessing the online social world to create intimate personal relationships with their consumers. Uh, welcome, Chris. Hey, Jonathan. So let's, I wanted to um, start by um, asking you about um, how you started out, and it's uh, very recently, because you used to work in the world of uh, corporate finance. And then you quit your job at uh, Barclays Bank to start 8.9 in uh, June of 2011. Can you just tell us a little bit about about what it was like making this transition? Because it seemed like it could have been a big reaction to corporate life. Or maybe it was uh, simply about just transferring skills.
1: Oh, that's a really interesting question. I guess um, guess if I look back at it now, I think um, perhaps it was a... A brave leap. I think you sort of described it there as a huge leap. Um, maybe maybe time will tell. Hopefully, it's a very successful leap. Um, we, I guess, I guess one of the things that was interesting around that time was, I think, on a personal perspective, I guess, like you were just saying there, there's a sort of, I think, after a while in corporate life, for me at least, there was a, I guess, a sense of frustration as. It's nice having a security blanket, and it's nice uh, to be working quite often with very uh, interesting, very clever people, doing great things with large amounts of money to play around with. And sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes you've probably read in the papers it's a bad thing. Um, but the, I guess, I guess for me personally, there was a sense of, I guess, frustration and a, a sort of a, I guess, a need to kind of do something. I didn't want to sort of look back in twenty years' time having a reasonably successful probably or very successful career in in banking, working for someone else and sitting there thinking, what have I truly achieved? And I think, Myself and uh, my uh, co-founder Phil, we we were talking about a number of ideas. We're probably naturally, I guess, curious and innovative people. We, I had a, um, a role within Barclays, which was around well, latterly it was around uh, marketing and propositions, and before that it was around some sort of more innovative digital stuff. So I guess we were looking at what we were interested in, and we were we were like coffee. Um, and we did a lot, part of our roles as well, or more in Phil's world was around um, trend watching and things like that. So you've mentioned it, I think, um, uh, in some blogs I've read around mass customization and sort of personalization for people. So we we kind of saw that sort of in other industries. Um, and we saw the, I guess, just on the high street, you saw the proliferation of uh, coffee shops. Um, and I guess there's, I think actually probably Around about the same time, but also probably actually it may be accelerated since June two thousand and eleven. Is these sort of smaller boutique coffee shops, it's particularly in London, but you, you see it sort of everywhere now. I Was in the Cotswolds this weekend, and there was a very nice Cotswold bakery, which I'd never noticed before, which apparently has been around for I don't know eighty years or something. But they had very nice coffee, and that was kind of a guess what they were leading on. Um, so we kind of saw these things, and we, we I guess I just uh, I guess we just put together a concept or a proposition, which was around sort of tailored personalised coffee um, and I guess maybe tying it a little bit back to your original question was about making a leap I think um, I guess my advice would be obviously get as many skills and um, as you can from corporate world if you, if that's the world you're in at the moment um, you know sort of suck it up like a sponge and try and get involved in things which perhaps could be useful for you if you're thinking about starting your own business and I think um, obviously try and do as much as you can sort of in terms of the preparation work before you sort of kick off um but yeah i think it yeah it's a brave leap and it's just you know for me it was about like thinking do i want to look back on my life thinking i wish i'd done that and it sort of seemed i guess for me at the time there was some i guess more personal reasons as well to throw into the mix but it sort of seemed like the ideal time in my life to do it rather than wait another five years when perhaps you've got children or more financial commitments or you know it's kind of passed you by so i didn't want to be in that position
0: and and this, you, you mentioned you, you felt it was a um, you know, like a, a brave step, which I think I, is is often a, um, a characteristic of, of, of challenger uh, brands and the people behind them. Um, and, of course, bravery sort of comes in all sorts of shapes and, and forms. But, um, but, you know, it comes down to ultimately recognizing that you've, you've got an idea. Um, you've soaked up all that knowledge and, and inspiration. You've done your homework. And it's just a question of, of getting out there and doing it, which, of course, a lot of people with a good idea don't do. And, and in this case, you did do that. So, you know, you, you said in your words, you know, just getting out there and doing it was a way to sort of get started. Uh, how's that been going? Yeah, I
1: think it's been good for us so far. I think um, one of the things we try and do is learn from our mistakes. And I think um, I think that's perhaps something you have to kind of embrace if you're going to start up. It's that you're not going to get it right first time. And it's almost like that, well, we can do as much planning as we like, but we're probably not right all the time. And um, we've certainly made mistakes. Um technical ones probably um, there's probably some people maybe listening to this who've had a bad experience with us but I think one of the things we always try and do is make sure everyone's happy and I think I can probably hand on heart say that we've, we've always got uh, a good resolution when we've, when we've made a mistake and we've, we, held up, we hold our hands up um, but I just I think in terms of getting out there and doing it yeah it's hard and I think sometimes people do have good ideas I think a good analogy I was thinking about this the other day was um, it's a bit like uh, in sports perhaps like a football match where you know, you can talk a lot about tactics and you can plan, but you can't plan for everything. And, you know, sometimes it's just about having enthusiastic, in the football sense, players. But I guess in a business sense, it's enthusiastic people with good ideas, willingness to work, and just kind of going out there and trying, trying hard. And I think, I think you know, I've heard it from other people, is that when they, they look at small businesses, uh, or in your words, like a challenger brand, it comes from the heart. So you have to put a bit of your... I guess, a bit of yourself and a bit of your personality into it. And that's the kind of thing I think that makes the difference. I think, yeah, fear is fear is quite a powerful emotion and it can hold people back. But I think, you know, I'd really urge people to sort of try. Um, that embracing the mistakes piece is, I think, a big part of that because a lot of people like to plan and make sure everything's perfect. And I don't think you can get to that. So try it, make a mistake. If you made a mistake and it didn't work, try something else. So...
0: I I couldn't agree more, and and I think one of the the reasons that we think you've got a a very bright uh, future is because um, you've tuned into very successfully this um, this idea of um, the the personalised experience and and the power of um, I suppose freely available tools such as social media, the online kind of um, uh, presence, and. um, and uh, this, this, this growing need for personal and targeted brand experiences, basically. So um, can you just talk to us a little bit about how you might champion this even further and how easy it's going to be to maintain this? For example, will, will technology be the kind of thing which makes it easier or will that hinder us in the future? I
1: think, I think that's, a, that's a really good question. I think when you've got a, a small business uh, with a relatively small customer base, a lot of things are easier. Um, and actually there 's a lot of smart solutions that you mentioned there that don 't cost very much, and you can do a lot with I think that over time, I think as a business grows and I think as maybe some technology evolves, perhaps it becomes less free, so people are charging for things which were once readily available and i think we 've seen that a bit We one of the brands that we looked at, which you 're probably familiar with is grays the the guys who do the snack boxes yes. and they you know they they were i guess I guess if I you know going back to your previous question in a way, they were quite inspirational because they had a slightly different route to market, but in some ways they're very similar to what we were trying to achieve, so we obviously looked at them very carefully and kind of tried to draw some sort of conclusions and some learnings from what they'd done but that we one of the things we learned with Grays was that they were a big they grew a lot with using Facebook and I think um by the time we got to market, Facebook had changed the way um its platform operated. So some of the great uh, benefits that Grey's got weren't there anymore. So, um, yeah, I think that technology will change and I think that for in some ways it will make things harder and obviously normally these things happen that they make other, other people's lives or other people's ways of doing business a lot easier. Um, I think the big challenge is when you get uh, to a certain size that, or this is how I foresee it happening is it becomes more of a challenge to kind of keep some of the authenticity and I think some of the I guess principles of the way we work around sort of being sort of environmentally friendly and personalised and customised. I think that starts to get a bit more a bit more challenging, Um, but you know I don't think it's impossible. I think if you look at someone like Green and Blacks, and they 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 still, for me, have the same ethos, even though they're now owned by a large American multinational. So I think it's possible. I think um, it's just, it requir- I think it requires hard work. And it's like an, other brands that, you know, you can look at like Innocent where they've, I think they maintain that kind of um, ethos and feeling when you look at them. Um, but it's, I think you can, there's probably countless examples now that I'm trying to think of where um, a brand has sort of gone away from its original purpose as it's got bigger probably probably a good example would be starbucks i mean that's a small cafe that started in seattle they did um home roasting and like a very similar service to we offer but they don't do that now they you know they're ubiquitous large multinational that obviously has attracted uh
0: some attention recently mm. and um and 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 talking about uh growth um because i you know we we see that there is a you know it seems like to us, anyway, you're you're onto a good thing. You're you're, you're striking the sort of the sweet spot between, um, you know, personalization, um, an indulgent experience, um, you know, the the ability to um, you know be involved and connected to a product and where it comes from. And you've already and you just used the word authenticity. There's a lot of you know real good stuff that, that is um, behind an eight point nine, which. If it all comes together, it should give you a very successful future. I don't know how far you're you're thinking um, ahead, but say for example five to ten years time, can you imagine that maybe you've gone um, you know full circle and there may be um, eight point nine um, you know coffee shops, or we'll see you actually in the supermarket. So you kind of um, have, follow the traditional uh, routes to market as well. I guess
1: it's it's a. Uh... I think it's a challenge, like going back to what we were talking about before, in terms of you can plan a lot, and you, we, you know, we had certain expectations for our sort of first year of business, and some of them we exceeded, and others we we didn't meet. And I think if I was like to look in terms of five years time, in terms of how we've we've planned, yes, we've we've discussed coffee shops, we've discussed doing stuff in supermarkets, we've discussed alternative products, so complementary things like I guess coffee and um, tea, biscuits, that kind of thing. Um, I think that. I think that where we are I think at the stage we are we we're, we're more short term focused and it's a bit more gut feel so I think one of the I guess one of the next challenges or sort of the, one of the next objectives for us is around um expanding outside of the UK so I can see that as a as that as our first route before we would go into sort of bricks and mortar um but yeah I mean everything I think everything is possible I think you have to assess each opportunity as it comes along I don't think we've cracked the sort of the UK uh, online retail for coffee yet. So um, I'd rather get that right before we move on to maybe some of the uh, uh,
0: suggestions that you had. Mm. And um, I think, you know, uh, starting out and doing all these things that that, um, that you did prior to 8.9, you, you know, you have already mentioned some other brands which are, you know, what we, you could call sort of quintessential um, challenger success stories like Innocent and, and, and Green and Blacks. Were there people that you looked to um, that you thought um, inspired you, that led you to sort of maybe uh, do this, make this leap? Um, I'm
1: not so sure there was any particular individuals. I think... um I guess one of the things that we, one of the principles that we had, I, I guess, I don't think there was any, a short answer is there wasn't any individuals. I think it was more around some other brands that and perhaps some of them I probably mentioned. I think um, one of the interesting things, one of the principles we had with our business was around affordable luxury. And I think at the time back in sort of June 2011 we were i guess i guess where we look at it now probably I guess halfway through a sort of a downturn in the in the economy and i think one of the things that i could see in my sort of um sort of day-to-day job with Barclays was um some changes in customer behavior and i think and i guess just with friends as well we saw that there was a bit more of a there was a, i think if there's different segments clearly in the UK and i think there's a segment of people that um were looking at I guess, tightening their bouts, but they still wanted to, to have a bit of fun. So I think you had Simon Woodruff on your podcast recently, and he was talking about his kind of view of luxury in 100 years time, looking back and how people um, today um, were almost sort of, I guess, hindered in a way or sort of there was the haves and the have nots. And I think we, one of the things we wanted to achieve with, with 8.9 was that what we called affordable luxury, that sort of almost a, an experience that everyone could afford. So. We could have designed a concept which was around sort of very high margin or very very high quality coffee, which costs an absolute fortune, and there are you know brands like that that exist already. Like, um, um, or we could have gone the opposite way, but I think we we decided to sort of aim for that sort of slightly premium feel. So um, I think we we've done a good job of that, and I think the what we ended up with kind of come, kind of achieved those goals. But yeah, I like that I like that idea where people. They can, maybe they can't afford the fantastic bottle of champagne, but they could easily afford a nice um, cup of coffee every day. And I think that's what we were aiming for. And I think um, from the feedback that we've seen online, we we seem to have achieved that.
0: So I wanted to talk to you about the, um, the user experience because um, we've worked on um, a number of coffee projects in the past. And uh, certainly our experience when we were working with Starbucks was that it was actually very confusing for consumers to uh, make a choice when they're faced with 50 different types of coffee and you can see the similar kind of thing in the wine category for example or scotch whiskey as a just an, an information overload could you talk to us a little bit about how you use design to um, help make choices a bit simpler
1: yeah we we, When we started, I guess, our journey, we weren't coffee experts by any means. And I think um, I know a lot more than I knew before, but um, there's a lot of people that know a lot more than me. Um, and thankfully, uh, we work with a lot of these people, so they've been very helpful. Um, and we had, a, I guess, a hypothesis around sort of blending. So you talked about there different types of coffee. So one of the things we quickly learned uh, in terms of getting, I guess, Perfect flavor is that you know everyone has different uh, taste buds, and there's some research around that that you can go and look at um, some uh, I think it's German scientists to talk a lot about it and um, kind of with that high with that in our mind, it was like, well, obviously the coffee that I like might not be the coffee that you like, Jonathan, so you know how could we go about kind of getting that into your hands and when we went and talked I guess to more of the industry experts or the coffee experts, they were uh, Talking to us about grinds and roasts and um, the origins of the coffee and um, the different flavors they come up with, and um, and we worked quite closely with someone who we I guess they had a coffee mindset and we had a bit more of an innovation mindset, and we said, well, what happens if you did this? And we kind of asked them a load of questions, I and mean, we 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 ended up with I guess what we 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 built was almost a matrix. So um, you can imagine sort of a grid, and sort of these are the or. A nice venn diagram with flavors overlapping so we wanted to come from a flavor perspective rather than an origins but the origins kind of overlap with the flavors so if you're choosing certain flavors you get certain origins so um, that's what we kind of discovered and what we we ended up with is, like I said a matrix and um, I guess then there was this challenge for us around well that's nice but we've spent you know a few days with someone who's explained all this to us and we're going to get a consumer who's going to come onto our website and they won't have had the benefit of that experience so um and i think online you know it's very very powerful uh tool and it's a great way to reach people but it's also um you know if you can't engage someone and they don't understand it very quickly then you know you've lost them almost straight away so um we we actually started out with like something that was more like a grid, um, and um, actually, I I thought it was pretty cool. It was a pretty interesting and innovative uh, interface, and um, probably a bit too innovative. So when we were looking at um, uh, when we trialled it as a sort of a, I guess a beta or an alpha with uh, some of our friends and family, um, I guess the not almost the feedback, but it, what I observed was that they because it was a bit too out there, they didn't really understand what they were meant to do. So Um, We kind of quickly, I guess, assessed that what we needed to do was come up with something very simple and something that was very familiar. So we've we've kind of, uh, I guess, fallen back upon a a slider. So it's it's, uh, two bars that you can move and the scales uh, you can adjust to get your flavor. So as you talked about before, sort of fresh to spicy or light to rich. And um, I think what we observed when we sort of tested that with people was that um, they kind of got that, and it would sort of made more sense, and there it was easier almost to sort of it was easier for people to understand. Okay, I want something that's fresher. I want something that's spicier. I can move a, a line, and I get that, and I can see it changing, and I can see the flavors coming up on the screen um, because we overlay that, um, and they kind of got it. So I think um, it is. I think it's a real challenge to to get that right. Sometimes I think um, we could have easily launched with something that was probably a lot fancier, um, and I think perhaps people would have thought it was quite cool, but. I think we probably wouldn't have got any customers because people would have most people would have ended up there and got a bit lost and decided that it was not worth the effort.
0: So for the um, I suppose for the uh, want of a better word, the uneducated consumer, they're actually involved in the process of, of designing their own uh, blend of coffee. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and I guess and you know we take it to the logical next step, which is you try it, and if you don't like it, you can come back and you can change the sliders and you can try something else next week, or you can let us do that for you um and we have plenty of people who do that um but um yeah we wanted to involve the customer in the sort of design experience so um we've tried to make it as simple as possible i think we've we've gone a long way to doing that um and i think that um yeah it's, i think the feedback we have is it's a kind of a fun experience and i think um i think i read recently um that one of the things i think people like is that because they've been involved in that design process they look forward to it it's that going back to that affordable luxury point or it's how people people love the fact that they're getting something that they've designed is coming in the post and it's cool and they can show it off to their friends and it's kind of in a bit of bit of fun
0: and it's even got their name on it or their name of their blend on it yeah and
1: actually you get some very very interesting blend names on <laughs> like constantly amused with some of the ones that i've seen um I had a few rude ones, but there's been some, there's, there was, a, I, I think my favorite recently was I saw one, someone had called it, um, fight for your right to latte.
0: really so. <laughs> good. Great. Well, we we uh, talking about online. We, we recently um, interviewed uh, Claire Diaz-Ortiz, who leads um, Twitter's Social Innovation. And one thing she said was that today, getting out there and connecting with people is about building an online platform for yourself. And an online brand for yourself. How have you maximised the social world to benefit eight point nine? Well, I'm sure she would say that, given that she works for
1: Twitter. But to be honest with you, I totally agree with her. I think that we, um, I think it's, I think it's been a challenge actually. One of your kind of first question was about transferring skills, and one of the things that I kind of realise is that you can build up a lot of skills in corporate life. And I think, you know, looking at banking, for example, there they 're sort of nowhere near the front of the curve in terms of some of the digital type pieces, and especially with social so you 're probably going to struggle to acquire those skills in a in some corporate jobs and I think that 's one of the things that we learned quite quickly and I think we've I think we've probably made a success of it so we we harness uh, a number of social networks, so we use Twitter very well, and that 's been absolutely fantastic for us. I mentioned about Grays with Facebook I think we 've achieved a uh, good level of success perhaps not as good as Grey's had with their Facebook stuff but um we've done very well with customers on Twitter so it's worked in terms of engaging people it's worked in terms of customer acquisition it works in terms of customer support but you have to work very hard for it I think um we use Facebook we use Twitter we use, we recently started um using uh Instagram and Pinterest um and some of I guess some of the social bookmarking it's 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 it is difficult, I think, because there are a number of networks that you can um, that you can utilise. So I think there is some challenges about saying no. So we have we've decided not to use certain uh, networks where we don't feel that there's any benefit, or the benefit is eroded in terms of the time you have to spend to sort of build up your presence. But um, I think, uh, but I think I uh, you know I I'd, I'd agree with her point in terms of you know you need to build that platform to build your brand, and I think. I think when i look now i think that 8.9 has a brand and i think that in a relatively short space of time that is probably a you know a big part a big um it's very success it's been very successful for us and i don't think um we could have achieved that without using these platforms
0: yeah well you've um you've done an awful lot in um in a year and a half and uh we certainly think you're you're sort of one to watch and uh, we wish you all, all the best with that um i th- I think you know people that listen in may be interested to sort of know from a personal point of view um how you might sum up your success um in this year and a half in in um in in say three words so i guess that's a tough one but i think
1: uh, the three words i would use is probably uh seen
0: nothing yet seen nothing yet yeah that's a nice way to uh, to to end this uh, this this conversation. And uh, well, um, all the best with eight point nine, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing what you ain't seen nothing yet brings. <laughs> Thanks very much. Your pleasure.